precious metals uh, have been used for centuries, for millennia, for decoration because of their beauty, their rareness, their high value. The cost of a kilogram of gold is nowadays probably about £44,000. Silver, a hundredth of that, maybe about 450 If you were to try and sell some scrap brass, you would probably get less than a hundredth of silver, less than four pound, maybe. Maybe even considerably less than that. Why do I give you these? I've not become a commodities trader. Oh, well, what do you think the beautiful gate was made out of? We can't be sure. But if it is the gate that many, if not most, historians and theologians seem to think it is, the Nicanor gate, that led through from the court of the Gentiles, then it is understood to be the one gate of the ten at the temple that was made of brass and not other material that had then been coated or plated with silver and gold to look, make it look more valuable than they were. This means that the gate, although not so gold, not so silver, um, it still had a, a golden look about it and it was probably of more value, more real value, more worth, more cost than the others, even though it wasn't quite gold. It was near this very popular route through to the worshipping space of the temple that the beggar sat each day catching the attention of those heading to pray, but also catching the attention of Gentiles. It was the place of maximum footfall, the place where he was most likely to be seen and therefore most likely to to get some arms, to, to get some gifts that would help him be able to live. He was unable to work, only able to beg. He would receive those alms from those who wanted to do good, but also perhaps those who wanted to be seen to be doing good, those who wanted to virtue signal in the place of ma maximum exposure. A few little coins thrown in the lame beggar's direction might help you gain popularity, even if you then fail to give your tithe. This was the setup as the men of the moment arrive. Peter and John are the stars of this new Jesus follower group in Jerusalem that we are now part of, the church. The beggar was in a position along their path, put there by family or friends, and he calls out to the apostles, surely they will give and they'll be wanting to be seen to give. Or maybe I'm just a little bit too cynical at this reading. Like the beautiful gate, they don't have silver or gold. No, they don't. These former fishermen say, look at us. And what would the beggar say? Fine clothes? No. Riches? 
No. Was this what he was expecting? A few years ago, I, I went to America. I was a student going to work in a summer camp. I came to the customs desk at JFK. Stand behind the line, the man said, that was in the box. Showed him my passport, my declaration of having nothing with me. And he spent all his time just gazing down at his documents, not lifting his eyes at me, just simply looking at what I put before him. And he asked, are you carrying more than $10,000 in any currency? I was stood in jeans and a sweatshirt that I'd worn for at least 24 hours, travelling by coach from Scotland, hanging about in the terminal at Heathrow, being uh, in the middle of a row of five seats in the middle of a jumbo jet, uh, economy flight, Pan Am, and then another hour or so queuing up, having got my luggage back. So I said to him, do I look as if I have more than $10,000? It's probably a bit too bold, perhaps a little naive, but he did look up. He looked at me and he let me through. How often do we look at people rather than through them or past them? or just avoid their gaze? Do we see who they are? Do we know what they have experienced? How often do we make assumptions that we would not if only we had walked a mile in their shoes? Peter and John's look at us. It's a challenge to the beggar. He expected money to sustain him, maybe not even enough for a day, let alone two. But he was going to be given something else. He was going to be given new life. He would be able to stand. He would be able to step through the gate, the beautiful gate, into the presence of the temple from where he had previously been restricted. And so it's no wonder he leapt and praised and walked and praised and people were able to see him and to be able to acknowledge him and go, isn't that the man? In the name of Jesus, as he'd been drawn to his feet, God's spirit brought great healing. Not in any way explainable by signs, it was a miracle. This was what the apostles had of value. They knew they could pray and that things would happen. And we have that ability too. The Holy Spirit is within each believer. We can each, by the Spirit, bring our prayers before the Lord. We can pray and we can see great things happen. And now it is true that sometimes what we ask is not what God wants for some reason that we don't understand. Maybe he has something else in mind. Maybe it isn't the time for it. 
But if we don't pray, then how will prayers be answered? We need to pray. We need to bring our prayers to the Lord. Peter and John went to pray and they did pray. And their prayers were answered at the beautiful gate, not the one of the fake silver and gold, nor the one that was honest about what it was, the beautiful one, whose name could also be translated as ripe, ready for the eating. May we make use of that amazing, valuable presence of the Spirit in our life. And may we pray for healing. And may we discover leaping and renewal and the growth of the Kingdom of God in a beautiful time of ripeness that I believe we've come to the end. Amen.